your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to this Tuesday evening episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Hope you all have had a great start to your week as we are nearing the 4th of July and somehow into the, almost into the 7th month of 2021. This year has honestly been flying by. This is honestly probably the fastest year um, of all time. It has to be. I think it's probably just because it's the first year that I've been out of school and I guess that just flies even faster, you know, than the actual school years when you're in school. I mean, that's just, I think, the logic that I'm going for right now with that. But we have a lot to get to for today's show. We're going to talk about the Stanley Cup final and how Tampa Bay just destroyed Montreal in game one, five to one. We're also going to touch on a little bit about Jared McCann in this episode since I saw some people on Penguins Twitter talking about him today. No, namely uh, Jay Fresh Hockey, who does um, outstanding work for EP Ringside. And we're also going to talk about um, ESPN announcing their full broadcasting lineup uh, to start their seven-year deal, which starts right after the Stanley Cup Final. Um, in case anyone was not aware of that, right after you know Game 5, Game 6, Game 7, or even Game 4 if this series is a sweep, uh, NBC is done. The draft will not be on that network. It will actually be on ESPN2. And then ESPN will also be airing the expansion draft. And I think um, if I can go find that real quick here um, on my Twitter page just to see who... Um, is going to be leading that. Yeah, so expansion draft coverage, it's going to be Chris Fowler and Dominic Moore with Kevin Weeks reporting from various locations. And then for the NHL draft you know, on ESPN2, it'll be John Butcher Gross with Elliot Friedman and Kevin Weeks, Jackie Redman, and Emily Kaplan will join with Inside Analysis and Sam Costantino. So that will be the draft coverage and the expansion draft coverage um, that will kick off the NHL's uh, new TV deal with ESPN. And let's just get right into the lineup. You know, honestly, the first thing that I see um, when I look at this lineup with ESPN is Ray Ferraro is the top analyst. Um, that was reported, I think, around, what, four to six weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. And that's just huge. You know, I think Nick Zararis tweeted this out earlier, and I completely agree with him. The upgrade from Pierre Maguire, who, of course, was the number one um, color commentator on NBC for however many years they were doing it. I think it was, like, over 12 or something. Um, the upgrade from him to Ray Ferraro is going to be substantial. You know, Ferraro just brings such great insight and analysis um, to any game that he's covering. You know, he'll include the advanced metrics into his calls for the games, you know, and not shit on them like Pierre Maguire did when being like, well, there's no analytic equation for Mike Sullivan putting out Brandon Tanev, Zach Aston Reese, and Teddy Bluger in a a tighter game or leading by one goal against the New York Islanders. No, Ray Ferraro will actually, you know, talk about the analytics and talk about, you know, why Sullivan made that decision and bring up some of the numbers that were great for that line coming into the game or honestly for any player um, during a game which who which does something good in any zone. So that, I think, was the big thing that jumped out at me when I saw this roster for ABC and ESPN. Um, Brian Boucher, I think that was a great hire from NBC. I know he kind of had that little hiccup about a week and a half ago, you know, when he told people to stop complaining about officiating. I mean, one, that's never going to happen. And two, um, everyone should be complaining about the officiating. Um, but overall, if you look at this roster, I think this is at least a solid BB+. I mean... Um, the, the two ones that I don't really want on here, John Butchergrass, not only is he just not a good play-by-play um, person, he's also just a flat-out creep. 
Um, he's, he was, in case anyone doesn't know, you know, he's basically been in um, some people's DMs, just kind of being a creep in there, trying, I think, to almost send nudes or, or something like that, or, or just send, I think, and maybe not send nudes, but I think just send creepy pictures of himself. And there was like a whole scandal about that, I think, about a year ago or something. And, you know, even, even without that, though, which was still pretty bad, I just don't think he's good at calling the game of hockey. I've just never been a fan of him, and it's going to suck to have to hear him call games a lot for ESPN. And then the other one, of course, is Barry Melrose. I don't really like him. I've never liked him. Um, he's just kind of a dinosaur on a lot of broadcasts. He'll bring up the grit a lot and the intangibles and the toughness and blah, 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 blah. I mean, he's not going to be, I don't think, Mike Milbury level bad or Jeremy Roenick, but he is still bad. And hopefully, you know, come Stanley Cup final time or Eastern Conference final or Western Conference final, he's not, you know, doing color commentary for ESPN um, for whichever series that they choose. I just, I've never really cared for him, but a lot of these other people, I mean, AJ Malesko, I think she does a great job. Kevin Weeks bringing him over from NHL Network, I think is an outstanding hire. Hillary Knight as an analyst, that can't go wrong. I mean, I think she's awesome, obviously. Chris Chelios, that was just announced, I think, a couple days ago. I don't really mind it. I'm willing to give him a chance. You know, he's one of, he's one of the great players um, of this game, so I'm really curious to see what he can bring to a broadcast. Linda Cohn, I mean, I guess she's all right. Sean McDonough is going to lead the play-by-play -play for ESPN. In my opinion, I think that should go to Steve Levy. I think he's done a better job um, in play-by-play, -play, not just for hockey, but uh, for football as well. I remember he called the um, one of my favorite games that he called was Virginia Tech, West Virginia, um, 2017. I think that was the first year that I was at Virginia Tech. And just the way he was able, his feel for the game was extraordinary. And he was very informative during the broadcast. And I think he will bring a lot of that back to hockey. Because remember, you know, before ESPN lost the NHL TV deal rights, he was, I think, the number one or number two play-by-play -play person uh, for the network um, when they last had the NHL's rights. So and I think he did a very good job. Well, I wasn't, well, I wasn't nearly as old as I am now. Um, when he was doing it, but from what I was able to gather, you know, what, via watching highlights and just stuff on YouTube, I think he did a very good job. Um, so I'm just going through the list here. Ryan Callahan as an analyst, I think that'll be okay. Um, Blake Bolden, I think that's fine as well. Uh, Mark Messier, you know, that's the one I think that's going to drive people, you know, either, you know, th this is where I think it, it's split, to be honest with you all. You either love it because he's one of the greatest players in the history of the game, or you hate it just because his ego is so high and that he doesn't really bring a lot to a broadcast. And, you know, he still thinks the game should be where it was back in the 1980s and the 1990s. Um, I personally kind of lean towards the left. I don't think he's going to bring a lot to the broadcast. Um, I already touched on Emily Kaplan as a reporter. Um, a lot of ESPN Deportes people. Um, Antonio, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to pronounce his last name. Vala? Valley? I, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, Leah Hextall, though, play-by-play. -play, that was a great hire. I'm really curious to see how she calls games. I'm really excited to hear that. Kenneth Gary of, for ESPN Deportes. Um, Carlos Rossell, he'll also be doing ESPN Deportes stuff. Um, Rick DiPietro is an analyst. I did not see that one coming. Um, I'll be the first to say that. Uh, maybe he'll be still thinking about what happened well, when Brent Johnston sucker punched him in the face. I still feel so bad because that ended his career. And I really hope the first time he's on a broadcast that he brings up that he's still getting paid by the New York Islanders to this day. If I recall correctly, that was a 15-year contract and he will be getting paid $1.5 million by the New York Islanders until the end of the 2028-2029 season. So in case anyone somehow forgot about that, there that is. In 2029, 
um, I will be what? I'll be, I think, 32. So he will be getting paid by the New York Islanders until I am 32 years old, which is just absolutely crazy. Um, in my opinion, I don't think I'm missing anyone here. Oh, Cassie Cam Campbell Pascal. I don't really know too much about her and her being an analyst. I know she was on Sportsnet. I think Jake Baskin, who I've been DMing a lot, who knows a lot about some announcers and play-by-play -play people, uh, he said she did a lot of stuff for the Calgary Flames. Uh, so we'll have to see how she does with that, with um, moving to ESPN, excuse me. And also Bob Wachuskin will be doing play-by-play -play as well. I think he'll be the third play-by-play -play person uh, behind Sean McDonough and Steve Levy. But overall, like I said, everyone, this is at least a B to a B-plus team. Um, I don't mind that ESPN is going internal for their play-by-play -play people. I think Sean McDonough, you know, he obviously has a lot of voice cracks when he does football. Um, if anyone here watches college football, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Or Monday Night Football because he's done that as well. Steve Levy, he does great with a lot of sports. He called hockey a lot um, during the ESPN's first TV deal with the NHL. I think he'll do great here. Um, and I'm willing to give Bob Wachuskin a chance. Um, for the analysts, like I said, I think AJ does a great job with NBC. Getting Ray Ferraro from TSN is going to be a huge upgrade, especially over, you know, with what Pierre Maguire bring, brought brought to a broadcast, excuse me, and Keith Jones and all those other dinosaurs um, at NBC. You know, if ESPN wants to, which I really hope they do, their number one team could be Sean McDonough, Ray Ferraro and Brian Boucher. I mean, that is just a, a, a here's the ESPN's all the way at the top of that. Then there's probably 50 feet of crap. Then there's NBC's number one team uh, this year of uh, Kenny Albert, Eddie Olchek, and Brian Boucher. And, and don't get me wrong, you know, I love Kenny Albert. I think he's a great play by play person, but I don't think Eddie Olchek brings a lot to a broadcast anymore. And I do like Brian Boucher, but it's just really brought down a lot by Olchek. And, you know, Kenny Albert is good, but I do think Sean McDonough, in my opinion at least, would do a better job. So those are my thoughts on ESPN's full roster as they're just a couple weeks away from taking over the NHL's TV rights deal, at least with, you know, half the package. You know, we still don't have the full roster with TNT, though it was reported yesterday by Andrew Marchand that TNT is looking to hire Brendan Burke to be the number two play-by-play -play behind Kenny Albert, and that would be a slam dunk. So this is also just so huge for the future of the NHL, especially being on cable because, you know, they're, they're moving away from all of these grinder type of people who love the intangibles and, you know, they love the grit and the toughness to people who actually know what the hell they're talking about when it comes to the game of hockey. I think Jason said it best today, you know, um, J underscore A155, you know, he tweeted, I guess Keith Jones and Edzo are joining the NHL and TNT, but it's awesome to see broadcasts moving beyond the Pierre and Milbury hellscape and hopefully into something more thoughtful and engaging. And yes, the NHL badly, and I mean badly need something like that especially when it comes to the casual fan because you know casual fans don't want to tune in and just hear all about grit and toughness I don't think they want to watch the star players doing their thing you know I think with most of these broadcasts that ESPN is going to have to offer they're going to have uh, people on their broadcast hyping up their star players and explaining the game in a way you know that should be explained and should have been explained for the last five years with NBC. And oh yeah, don't get me started on what NBC has been going on this year. You know, the Stanley Cup final, 8 p.m. start last night, and it actually starts at 8.25. So, I mean, that's just a flat-out joke, I think, at this point. But coming up in the next segment, we are going to have a little bit of a discussion with Jared McCann after I saw some tweets today from Jay Fresh and some other people 
from Penguin's Twitter. But before we do get to that, it's time to talk about rockauto.com. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why should you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? They're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. The prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new Carpet, you can go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. You can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And you can write Locked On in their How to Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, why below prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at underscore Penguins. I did forgot to mention... Um, in the last segment, I know a lot of people are upset that Gary Thorne is not coming back to ESPN, but according to Sean Shapiro of The Athletic, he was never actually approached uh, to be on the ESPN broadcasting team. I know that's going to upset a lot of people, but he is 73 at this point. I think the game has maybe passed him by. I, I understand people wanting him back for nostalgia reasons, and maybe he could all call just a few games a season, but he was never going to be ESPN's number one voice for hockey. You know, they have people in-house, like I said, in Sean McDonough and Steve Levy, who are good play-by-play broadcasters and who would do a better job than Thorn at this point, that's for sure. And that's for Bill Clement. I mean, people, he retired. So I don't think ESPN was going to convince him to come out of retirement. But again, overall, everyone, a B or B plus to start. And I think it could turn into an A if they don't use Butchergrass and Melrose um, as much. But okay, getting into our second topic, and that involves Jared McCann. So earlier today, um, Jay Fresh put a tweet out um, when it comes to McCann. If I can just find this uh, real quick in my mentions. Um... So he tweeted this out. One of the most important things the Penguins have to do this summer is not sign Jared McCann long-term. His 43-game season this year was an outlier with a 13% on a shooting percentage. He's going to regress next year, and the Pens are better off kicking the can down the road. So, okay, there's a lot there. You know, he has um, his great wins above replacement. Um, he, uh, please support Jay Fresh's work first and foremost. He does a great job. Um, if you look at his even strength offense, um, it was down, you know, right around 25% for the 2019-20 season, but then shot up to 75% this season defensively. Um, it basically stayed the same. And then, you know, 18-19 was below 25%. Um, 17-18 was right on there too. But it basically just shot up for the first time um, this season. So I understand um, that he is due to regress next season, but how much of that is g- going to actually happen? Um, you know, it, it's very hard to repeat a uh, 13.3 on a shooting percentage at 5v5. Trust me, I, I definitely get that. And I think a lot of that did have to do with Carter coming um, through uh, at the trade deadline and his numbers going even higher. But the thing that I may disagree with Jay Fresh here is that when you look at McCann's season, before Carter even came and they started playing together, McCann was having an outstanding season. It didn't even matter when he was on center or if he was at wing. He was producing no matter what. I mean, they put him obviously on the top power play, and you could have made the case that he should not have come off the top power play. Hell, I was advocating for that on the podcast during the season that he should not be taken off the top power play, and it should be someone like Brian Rust when Evgeny Malkin comes back. Even before Carter came over, he was still putting up some great numbers. And yeah, I get it. He probably will regress next season, but I don't think it's going to be back to where it was in 18-19-19-20 when it's barely trying to hit 25% for his even strength offense. I think maybe it could go down to 50%, maybe 55 to 60%, but I really don't think 
um, it's going to go back down to what we saw from him um, the previous two seasons. Um, and, and also, you know, Chad from the 412 Sports Talk, you know, him and Eddie obviously do a great job um, on that show. Congratulations to them for getting over to DK Pittsburgh Sports. You know, I thought he had a great tweet about this too. You know, Chad says, even if McCann's goal scoring regressed by over 5% to his career average, he would still be on pace to have around 50 points next season in 82 games span. 50 point players who are as competent defensively as he is aren't super rare, but they're usually expensive. And, you know, he is right. I mean, if he were to hit the open market after next season, which he is scheduled to do right now and he has say like you know a 20 25 goal season with 25 assists he would command at least five to five and a half million per because that is the going rate for that kind of player who averages over half a point per game so i understand as well and i know people are touching on this on the thread that you know his goal scoring dried up in the playoffs and it dries up a lot of time trust me I get that. It was definitely frustrating that he was not producing in the playoffs, but you know, producing in the playoffs is also very difficult and it's just flat out streaky um, at this point. So I think the best thing to do with McCann, you know, I think Jesse Marshall touched on this um, on Twitter today. Give him a bridge deal. I know Rutherford gave him a two-year contract. Um, that He's going into the last year of his contract going into this coming season. I would do that again. I think maybe I would up it to around three years. You know, I don't want to give him a four to five year term. That, that's the worst thing they could do. I, I agree with Jay Fresh on that. You don't want to give him a long-term contract just yet. You want to go into next season, see if he can repeat what he did this season. You know, like I said, he's probably not going to shoot 13% again, but if he shoots around, you know, 10, 11%, puts up 45, 50 points, I think you should definitely extend him to a two to three year deal and then see what he can do on that contract and then decide what you want to do um, when he comes up to his age 27, 28 season, which I think that's when, uh, that's I think that's how old he'll be when that next contract would be up. But that's just my opinion, at least. Um, if Carter is on the team next season and Seattle does not take him in the expansion draft, um, if he's left out protected or if the Penguins do protect him, um, I would love to see those two have a full 82-game season to see what they can do together because the results down the stretch in the playoffs were just second to none with how their scoring chances for percentage were and, you know, the high danger chances, you know, it was all around like above 50% and the shot attempts were just going their way almost every time they stepped onto the ice. And again, everyone, McCann needs to be protected in the expansion job. I don't understand people who think that they should not protect McCann after the season that he just had. He's also extremely young. You know, I, I've seen, well, I guess p people out there from what I was seeing on Penguin Twitter today, excuse me, were saying, well, they got to protect Brandon Tanev. He's more important than Jared McCann. And it's like, okay, I, I love Brandon Tanev as much as anyone, but that's just flat out not true. Jared McCann brings much more offensive offense, excuse me, to this team than Brandon Tanev does. And he's also on a much better contract than Tanev is right now. I would much rather lose Tanev in expansion over Jared McCann a hundred times out of a hundred. So I really don't know where that talk is coming from. But you know, I also don't know where the talk of trading Jake Gensel is coming from. I guess it's from some of the talking heads in Pittsburgh sports media who don't understand that sometimes your players don't score in the playoffs. And you know, you also have to chalk it up to a goalie just being really good against your team, even though that said player and Jake Gensel led your team in individual scoring chances for high danger chances for shot attempts per 60 shots per 60 and a whole bunch of other stuff during the playoffs. That's just the thing, people. People look for a scapegoat, and you know, and a lot of that has been McCann and Gensel because it brings in clicks and it bring it's just it's hot takes for the sake of doing hot takes. They don't actually want to sit down and look at the deep issues 
with this team when, you know, there really aren't that many. And you all could also just chalk it up to, again, everyone, the Penguins running into a hot goalie and their goalie, Tristan Jari, just not performing up to even league average. But okay, so we're finished with that for this podcast. Before we do get to the next segment, I do want to touch on the NHL awards just came out. Um, as I am recording this. So the Hart Trophy, Connor McDavid, 100 first place votes. I think that is the first time that a player has gotten all of the votes for first place for the Hart Trophy. No one Galaxy brained this. McDavid got all of the votes for 1,000 points. Matthews got second, McDavid third, Sidney Crosby fourth, Brad Marchand fifth. So great job by the PHWA on that. Anyone who did not have Connor McDavid first in the Hart Trophy was just not paying attention, and they honestly should have their voting rights taken away, but everyone did the right thing with this one. As for the Norris, Adam Fox won that. Again, very well-deserved. I think he was the clear-cut choice to win the Norris. Kale Marcar in second. Very good job by the voters there. Victor Hedman third. Don't I would not have had Hedman there personally. Hamilton fourth, McAvoy fifth. I would have uh, had McAvoy third and then Hamilton fourth and then probably Hedman fifth. Chris Letang gets ninth in the Norris voting and someone, one person voted first for him in their Norris show eval. I would have loved to know who voted Chris Letang first in the Norris trophy ballot. I have a couple names that I'm thinking of right now. I'm not going to say them on the podcast, um, but let's just say um, their name could rhyme with Lossie, um, who, of course, is a guest of this podcast. Everyone should know who that is at this point. I would not be surprised if it was him, um, but just inject that into my veins. As for the Vesna, Marc-Andre Fleury did win the Vesna this year. This was his first one in his first year as a finalist. Um, I, I personally would have given it to Andre Vasilevsky. I also did not realize that he did lead the league in goals saved above average. So kudos to the voters for, I, I guess, somewhat getting it right. I mean, you really could not go wrong between him and Vasilevsky, as I think Zachary Smith said, who of course was who was part of the, around the four one two and had was came on the podcast last night. Um, this was basically just his lifetime achievement reward, and Vasilevsky is going to get a lot more chances down the road. So I, I'm honestly fine with that. I'm a big Mark Andre Fleury fan, and I'm glad to see him um, get his first and probably his last Vesna Trophy win. And oh, here is the stat for you for McDavid winning the heart. This is just the second unanimous winner of the trophy, joining Wayne Gretzky in '82. So, like I said, congratulations to everyone for actually getting that right. And then for the Calder Trophy, Kapril Kaprizov won. Thank God, no really any silly season there. So as for the four major awards, I'm just going to do this. Okay, I'm done now. But seriously, um, the PHWA, you know, I, I've, I've shit-talked them a lot in the past because a lot of times some of their votes make no sense, but they absolutely crushed it with these award votings. You know, maybe outside of Marc-Andre Fleury, I guess. Again, I would have given it to Vasilevsky, but, you know, Fleury winning does kick major ass. But, you know, even with that, I mean... Everyone got this right. I, I, I actually, I forgot this. I don't think um, for the Vesna that's voted on the general managers. Excuse me, um, that is not voted on by the PHWA. That is the general managers that do it. Uh, but so most of the GMs basically did get it right. But as for the ones for the PHWA, the Norris was right. Adam Fox deserved to win. The Hart Trophy was right with Connor McDavid, and then the Calder was right with Kapril Kaprizov. So awesome job there. And I really hope this is the norm going into the future with the PHWA. Okay, 
Now, before we do get to the next segment where we'll touch on the Stanley Cup final, it's time to talk about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or phone and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. You can head to the website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts with the promo code locked on. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So we'll touch a little bit on the Stanley Cup final as Tampa Bay kicks Montreal's ass 5-1 to one in Game 1 of the final to go up one nothing in this series. And, you know, this Tampa Bay is just a different beast. I've been talking about this on the podcast for the last couple of weeks. I really don't think Montreal has a prayer in this series. I mean, you saw Deneau and Gallagher really got shut down last night, and Tampa Bay was coming after Gallagher with blood. I mean, you know, it, it, this definitely shows to me that Gallagher is the heartbeat and the soul of that Canadians team, but Tampa Bay, you know, that Gord line and Coleman and, you know, Barkley Goudreau and Patrick Maroon, they were going after uh, Gallagher with blood, and, you know, what Sergachev did, I think, deserves a one-game suspension. I did not like that at all with how bloody Gallagher was because that t- could have turned ugly in a hurry. But I am glad that that he's fortunate that he is okay after seeing all that blood screeching across his forehead. You also saw Nikita Kucherov last night. He gets two goals after struggling in Game 7. I still think he's probably dealing with a, some sort of rib injury. I think it's probably a cracked rib injury, um, at least from what I could tell. But he had a great game. Vasilevsky was awesome. And, you know, Price does need to be better than what he did last night. He is playing like one of the best goalies in the world and playing like how we watched him play during 2015 through 2016 and 2017. But he needs to be a lot better in the next game if Montreal has any prayer of winning the Stanley Cup. If they go down 0-2 going back to Montreal, I just, you know, now they'll have to beat Tampa Bay four out of five times to win the Cup, and which is just virtually impossible, I think, at that point. So tomorrow, I think, is a must-win for the Habs. I think they will play better, but I just don't know if it's going to be enough to beat the Lightning. You know, it was big of them to beat Vegas. You know, they, they shut down Mark Stone. They shut down Max Pacioretty. They were able to keep William Carlson and Riley Smith and Jonathan Marchessault in check, even though the underlying numbers favored them. But now... You know, like I said, Tampa is just so different with how they can roll four lines at you. And Kucherov was great last night. You know, Eric Chernak has a goal. That's the thing. I mean, they can get contributions from anyone in their lineup. Eric Chernak. They can get a contribution from David Savard if they wanted to. Barkley Goudreau, Yandy Gord, Blake Coleman, John Ruda, John Ruda, excuse me, on defense. It doesn't matter who is playing, you know. Ross Colton couldn't come up there and score goals for them. They are just so deep, and that's just going to be such a major problem. The Habs need more offense from the Deneau-Gallagher line, or this is going to be a much shorter series than I think some people thought it would be. Game 2 tomorrow night in Tampa Bay, 8 p.m. start. We will see if Montreal can respond or if Tampa Bay will go up 2-0. And I think at that that point, people will start thinking that this could be a sweep. My prediction, I don't know if I touched on it on this podcast, I do have the Lightning in six games, but if they do win tomorrow night, I think that series could be over in five games. So that'll do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I appreciate everyone listening to this, and we'll do another one of these tomorrow. So I will talk to you all then.